Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Pulp Hockey Podcast with Ray Ferraro. Who are we kidding? It's actually just Ray Ferraro's podcast. It's really what it is. Ray Ferraro, 18 years in the game and uh, now a, a lead color man at TSN, covering uh, tons of games and uh, the NHL, master of everything of the NHL. And thanks for listening, everybody. PulpHockey.com, uh, iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, get on there, review it, download it. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Thanks for all the uh, comments at Pulp Hockey on Twitter. You got a question for Ray or info at pulphockey.com if you have a question that we can tackle on our weekly podcast show. And again, thanks everybody. Appreciate it. Uh, two under the number two UNDR, the best men's underwear out there. Tons of uh, NHLers wear it, and uh, you can too. Use the code Ferraro20 to uh, save money at twounder.com, Canadian company, and, and the good guys down there. All right, Ray. Uh, welcome, uh, welcome back. Thanks for doing this. You bet. How was your All Star weekend? Oh, it was terrific. Let's see. I uh, I followed it on Twitter, and then I followed it on Twitter, and I saw Wayne Simmons won a Honda Ridgeline truck, which is the same truck I drive. So I was happy oh, about did that. Yours have, does yours have all the stickers on it? No, it does not. It's not wrapped in the NHL uh, logos and everything. Um, I got to admit, I watched. Um, I guess it was you know, halftime of the final game on, mm-hmm. um, that was it. My, my kids, uh, love the skill stuff. So we watched, you know, more of that the day before. Right. Um, but, um, it was a weekend away. I, uh, I texted you and said, do I need to watch this game for our show? And you're like, no, <laughs> don't worry. No, about that. Uh, you know, the, I, I, I think my favorite quote, Steve, of the, of the weekend, of the many that I saw, was uh, Vladimir Tarasenko. They were asking him about the game, and he said, it's hard to talk about that game seriously. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. I know they're up there doing the panel stuff, and they got to, you know, like, I really like that play here. And I'm mm. like, really? You like the, like, the thing goes at about 70% of speed. It's, you know, they... It is what it is. And yep. So the people that critique it, I'm like, man, what are you critiquing it for? It's just, it's a get together for the sponsors and the fans get to have some fun. And, uh, you know, this year they rolled out the, um, uh, you know, the t- hundred top players mm-hmm. of all time. And um, outside of some people taking it way, way, way too seriously, it was a fabulous idea and a fabulous event to see all those great players together mm-hmm. to be recognized. And, you know, I mean, that's what it's about. It's not about, you know, whether the game is a great game or, you know, or, or anything like that. It's, you know, it's, it's about everything else around the game, I, I believe. But what's happened to this game? Because, okay, you played in one, 1992, Spectrum. Yep. Uh, you played for the Islanders. You got selected to it. Uh, you lost 10-6. I'm sure you were heartbroken. But, okay, so you have a great reference point because you played in one of these. And so tell me if I'm wrong. Something's happened to this game to the effort level by the players. I don't know when well, it was. I don't, I don't know, Steve, because the game I played, it was it was 10 or 11-6. 10-6, um, yep. Yeah, Don Beaupre gave up, I think, seven goals in one period. You know, he was, I mean, this is an all-star goalie. What do you think the effort was like in front of him? Okay. Like, how bad okay, so, would so. it have been? So, like, there were, there were no hits. There were no, nobody obviously was checking. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I just, I think the game now is so fast and it's so demanding off the ice for the players compared to what it used to be. The last thing they want to do is rev up the engine again for another game. So that to me is why the, the games are, you know, so, uh, so I'm slower so, and yeah. not physical and no commitment to anything other than just kind of hanging out. I mean, I just, I don't know how it could be anything else. So I'm, I'm a little off then. Like it, it, nothing much has changed from your day. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you would know. Um, you know, I think what, you know, I think what has changed is there's, 
like everything else, there's more scrutiny mm-hmm. or more sure. more people paying attention uh, in the media and are more willing to criticize it. I mean, the day of, you know, like I hear it would be a great idea to have an all-star team play the Stanley Cup champion. Yeah, it would be great. But who the hell wants to play another game? <laughs> okay. All right. Like, like, what if you get hurt in the all-star game? Yeah. Trust me, nobody is getting hurt the way they play the all-star game now. Yeah. So you're... if I were the Islanders or I were Florida or Montreal, I want my all-star back healthy. I don't want him back on the hobble for two weeks. So all these people and a lot of in the media is disgusting and change it. You're, you're not that. You're just like, it is what it is. Accept it. It's, it was that way in 92, and it's that way in 27. Yeah, they went to the three-on-three tournament to yeah. move, you know, and, and I think that was a good change. Um, but I don't – I don't see like they're they're saying well get rid of it then the it's not they don't understand that it's not just the point of the game it's a celebration of the game if you went to LA live which I wasn't there but there's a skating rink in the middle of LA that people could skate around there were fan venues and it's like you're giving something back to the game how about mm-hmm. the league give something back to its fans and that's what they've done right. they give something back to their sponsors that's important. It's not about the quality of play. And if somebody wants to get their shorts in a knot over, um, oh, the game wasn't competitive enough, well, there's 1,200 games through the mm-hmm. course of the year that you can right. evaluate whether they're competitive enough. This one is not. It's like people bitching about the Pro Bowl. Yep. Like, what do you think those guys are going to do? They get their bodies smashed around for 16 weeks, plus playoffs. Now they're going to go – and play an extra game and actually hit? Not a chance. Right, right. Um, interesting. Yeah, I, I thought you would be more more like, let's get this thing fixed. I, I like it, though. I, there's no way to fix it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you can't make somebody do something they don't want to do. <laughs> no, exactly. Oh, I although, mean, they tried with the million dollars, and yeah, yeah, big you deal, got right? this. Yeah. And so that's the best they can be, I guess. Um, is there, throughout the years, of course, it was Campbell and Wales forever, and then it was Europe versus North America, and I was three on three with divisions. Uh, I probably missed some some format changes in there somewhere. Is there one that you like? That is this the one you like, or is there one that you think they should do, or does it matter? Well, I, I don't think it matters. Okay. I mean, I, I saw a great uh, a great tweet this weekend uh, when the hundred players came out, and um, you know everybody's. I mean, a debate would be too kind a word. There was, you know, just. Right. What a joke and whatever people thought because their favorite player or a player from their favorite team wasn't included. Um, but this, uh, this writer tweeted out, just remember the best players you ever saw were the ones you saw when you were 12. Yeah, true. And so yeah. when you ask me about the All-Star game, I remember the All-Star game when Bobby Orr came on and they had stars around their sweaters. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, he, I think they were orange and white, and the other team was black and orange. And that's, those are the all-star games I loved. I, I remember, you know, right up until the time I was in high school, um, you know, debating over who was going to be on the team and why was this guy on it. And, you know, like you really cared um, because you were younger. Mm-hmm. And it was such a big deal. I loved when I would see two players wearing the same number and one of them had to change. Yeah. What, and I, right. I love that. I, you know, like, oh, wow, the senior guy gets his number. So if you were number 10 and you're on the same team as Guy Lafleur, you had to change your number. Mm-hmm. And I loved seeing somebody wear number 22. That didn't, it didn't look right. And I loved that. Like, it was just part of the whole thing. Yeah. But yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. And now I watch it, and I, I watch it through my kids' eyes, and they loved, you know, um, they loved the um, – uh, watching Brent Burns go between his legs on the in the skills thing mm-hmm. and hit the crossbar. We go down and play in the basement, and they're trying to do it in the basement. Like that, that's, that's what it's right. supposed to be about. Oh yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Um, yeah, it, it is. Uh, I see your point totally. You're actually maybe you're changing my mind a little bit because I'm one of those guys that's like, come on, guys. But um, you know who did take it seriously though was uh, Wendell Clark. He actually threw some hits in '86. All-Star game. I don't know how you would remember that, get a life, but that was 30 years ago. <laughs> he threw some hits. He really did. Um, hey, uh, so 
your all-star experience, um, you get selected. You know, Lemieux, Yager's on your team. Wayne's on the other team. Who was the coach, and what do you remember them saying before the game and after? Well, the coaches were from Pittsburgh because um, they had won the Stanley Cup. Okay. Um, I don't remember any anything said um, other than, okay, here's the roster for the skills thing. Mm-hmm. So you knew when you had to go and what you had to do. Yep. Um, I, I remember the moment that I got selected um, or told that yep. I was selected. And um, Al Arbor told me uh, just prior to a game in Detroit, um, I was, he called me out in the hallway, and there was a writer from New York, uh, Mark Herman, was there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Al said, you know, congratulations, you've been picked to the all-star team. And so I went down the hallway, um, uh, called my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out they already knew uh, because, it, you know, the, publicly the rosters had been announced. Yeah. Um, and they said, uh, you know, we're coming. And they were on their, they were, you know, getting to a, you know, in those days to a travel agent to yeah, book yeah. the flight. Yeah, and travel agent, so right. My mom and dad and my dad's brother came. Uh, it was awesome. And then that night I went out and I got four goals in Detroit in a 5-2 game. Nice. And uh, so it was just an unbelievable day. And then to be there, I don't, you know what the coolest part was that I remember was what? waiting for my name to be introduced Sure, and yeah, yeah, uh, right. you know the you know twenty five goals with the New York Islanders, a uh, X number year vet, whatever yeah. I was at the time. Like that stuff was that was really cool. That, I bet. Was, that was awesome. Um, the game, I don't remember anything about it. I don't even know if I had a shot or a chance or anything. I don't even really remember. Do you do you remember thinking after you got named to the team, you're like, don't get hurt, don't get hurt, don't get hurt, make it to the game. You know what? I didn't, but I do remember just prior, Steve, that um, as they were getting close to the selections, I, I really wanted to get picked yeah. because I thought this was going to be my best chance. I thought at that yeah. time it was my best chance. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'd, yeah. I'd had a terrific first half to the season. You know, I had 20-ish goals at the time, and then I got four that night, but, I mean, yeah. I'd already been selected. And, um, you know, I really wanted to go. I, I just, you know, I, I just – I just thought like this, this could be the time. And it was really cool to, to get selected. I got a, you know, I've got my all-star Jersey. I've got the, the memory of being picked. I got the, you know, the, did you get a stick signed by everybody? I'm sorry. Did you get a stick signed by everybody? No, I never did. Uh, You know what? I'm not much of a collector. Okay. Um, and, uh, so I never really, I never really got anything like that. Um, do you still have your Jersey? I've got my jersey. Okay. I've got a, a nice um, little mural thing that was put together. It's got like one of those mini sticks that they had. It's got a game puck. It's got the invitation to the you know the formal dinner before. It's got the tickets uh, for the skills and for the game, and then a picture of myself in the in the hockey jersey uh, in oh, the cool. All Star jersey. And so um, yeah, I mean that that's enough of a memory to me. And what I'll always remember is uh, this legendary restaurant and. Philadelphia, where the game was uh, bookbinders, and uh, after the game, which was in the afternoon, my my mom and dad and my uncle, uh, we went for dinner there, and you know I just remember them being so proud and so happy that they were there. It was it was a great it was great. Uh, Kevin Stevens, Scott Stevens, Owen Nolan, Trotz, McGillney, and Randy Burge scored for your for your team. So, um, but no no assists. Yeah, no, no, there'd be nothing for me there. I would remember if I had a point. I uh, sure didn't. Who'd you play with? Do you remember? Uh, actually, that year, um, they had like a, a commissioner's pick, and okay. it was Brian Trache. Oh. So we had 13 forwards yeah, yeah. for the game. So you rotated. And so you just kind of played with everybody, whoever was there. Um, what were you in the skills? Uh, I did po- uh, the puck relay. Okay. So you had to go through the cones and do that. And the thing that, and I was really nervous because, <laughs> right. like, you can really make yourself look like an ass in that competition. Right. And Joe Sackick hit one of the first cones in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, no problem. Joe yeah. hit the cone. Right. <laughs> if he hit it, I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah exactly right. You're fine. Uh, I was more worried about forgetting the course. Right, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, you know, like you turn yep, the wrong yeah, way turn, and, right, like, right. and then you get confused. I, I was like, oh, I, was, <laughs> I was nervous for that. I uh, always love the accuracy, especially like, uh, like just Bork. Bork would hit all five, you know, right away. Well, yeah, all yeah. four shots and four – 
Four yeah. targets, four shots, oh. time to go home. Yeah, you're just like, wow. Like as a kid, again, going back to when you were a kid, right? Yeah. You, you were just blown away. You're just like, look at that. Like you're on the rink trying to do it yourself. You know, you're just like. Yeah, and then, I'm, you know, I always got a kick and still do out of the hardest shot. Yep. You know, Al Iafredi and Al McGinnis would always be near the top. Al would have this old wooden thing with a two iron on the end of it, and he'd just rocket it. And you'd be like, I can shoot it 80 miles an hour. Al shooting it at 103. <laughs> and Iafredi had the slick back mullet. Right, he was oh, going. Yeah. Thin he had on, it, he had it yeah. pulled way back. <laughs> it was going thin on top, but it looks so good out the back. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, there's, there's not. Hey, look, I, I never critique anyone's hair because, well, yeah. I can't. Right. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so all right, so just it is what it is, and, and everybody just accept it. That's that's all. That's that, that's the bottom line. Um, I, yeah, I thought the money would be a little difference, but these guys don't care. Yeah, they don't care about that money that, that gets divided up. Like, big deal. They all make a ton. So, my, my perhaps my favorite moment though was uh, you saw the Twitter from uh, the tweet from Yager with uh, Francis and, and Lemieux. Uh, no. Oh, I they, didn't see that. They Yager tweeted out our line in '97, and it's Lemieux and Francis and him wearing their jerseys, and uh, it, it just is just you look back and you're just laughing because Yager's still playing. <laughs> <laughs> those two guys—it's oh, ridiculous, though, isn't it? And then you think about those li- that line itself, and you're like, "Yeah, Lemieux was just the winger, just the, the winger going up and down, just, just the guy." Yeah. So, um, anyways, uh, so this top 100 list, top 100 players of all time. Did you not feel like at any time you could have told us on your podcast that you were doing this list? Do you feel like? Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, <laughs> I I see the. I don't, I don't even recall if they asked us not to say anything. Okay. I just don't know that it ever came up anywhere. Um, but obviously the list's out. I was one of the 58 voters. I was really happy to be included in it. Mm-hmm. And it was way harder than people might think yeah. to, you know, to try and come up with 58 names or rather come up with 100 yeah. names when your information packet it was literally hundreds of pages long. Now, I didn't have to read what Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky did. Right. Right? They're all my Ligordi Howe, Bobby Orr, yeah, yeah. you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. The, first, the first 50 of them are a piece of cake because I know them all because they were kind of my vintage. Mm-hmm. The, the ones that get more difficult are some of the older players. Like I had, I, I believe I had 82 out of 100 um, that I picked that were on the list. Okay, I was going to ask you how that, yeah, how that went. So obviously, I had a bunch of eighteen guys that were on my list that didn't make the final final grouping. But I don't know, I don't know exactly how do you quantify what a player in nineteen thirty three did mm-hmm. versus a player today. So I had a um, a couple of players on there, and. I mean, they, they won the scoring title like seven out of eight years. <laughs> they, when they retired, they were one of the top five scorers in the, in the history of the game, of course, albeit a much shorter history yeah, at that time. And I'm like, well, how do I leave that guy off the list? I mean, did I see him play? No. Right. But I didn't see Doug Harvey play either. I didn't see Eddie Shore play. Those mm-hmm. guys are on the list. Like, it becomes really difficult. It's like, you know, the names that, are, that pop on there now are – you know, Jerome McGinley, or that seemed to be debate points. Jerome yeah. McGinley, Evgeny Malkin, uh, Joe Thornton. Like, those are all players from today. Yeah. And it gets really difficult to try and balance out now with before. Like, how, how do you do it 100% correctly? I, I don't know the answer. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so difficult to, to pick. I couldn't believe Eddie Belfort didn't make it. Uh, and okay, now, so, you know, it's funny. I know you bring that up because he's a Leaf guy. <laughs> no, it's but, not. It's not. It's really not that. But but Ed Belfour has among the most wins in the history of the game. Yeah. Um, I didn't have Billy Smith on my list. And when I saw him on the list, I went, oh, maybe I should have put him on yeah. there instead of Ed Belfour. Joe right. Newman? You know, like that. Like, you see this list that comes out, and so much of it makes sense, and then you look at your own list, and you go, yeah, but yeah. I kind of liked who I picked, too. Because everybody has got to remember, you know, okay, so, all right, Belfort legit has a case, Howard Chuck, I think, should have been sure, on there. But who, who are you taking off? Who are you taking off? Yeah, who is so 
bad right, it's on right, the list right. that they, they should come off. Well, Newendike, and he's a former Leaf, right? But Newendike? Yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't have Joe on my list. Yeah. Um, but, hey, whatever. You know what? That's what's I fun. mean, I sent Luke yeah. Robitaille a text, and I said, uh, you know, congratulations. I said, hell, I even voted for you. And he sent me a note back, and he said, yeah, I had you at number 102 on my list. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, did a, uh, I did a top 30 power brokers in my sport, and I got a ton of people into it. I ranked them, though. And everybody who asked me, I'm like, yeah, you're 31. You were 31. I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, you just missed it. <laughs> just missed it. But it was but the, a, yeah. the thing is, I would say about this is, like everything in 2017, Nobody, or not nobody, that's wrong to say. Mm -hmm. Um, With the way social media can be, people are so outraged, and it goes from zero to you're an idiot, as opposed to, hey, what about this guy? Right. Or or something you could engage in a discussion Mm -hmm. with. And and that, to me, is a shame, because I remember as a kid, we debate this stuff. Like, again, in high school, we debate an all-star selection for half a lunch hour. <laughs> right. And yeah, we, you I know, agree. But nobody yep. was like, you're an idiot. Yeah. You know, they'd be like, no, no, this guy's, no, your guy stinks. He's no good. And you'd argue and debate and it was fun. Yep. Now it's like venom. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're, you're right. And, and when I say like, you know, Malkin, Howard, Chuck and Belfort are the three that I saw. But again, looking at your list, I literally see one guy in my opinion, and I'm nowhere near as knowledgeable as you. One guy, and that's Joe Newendeck, that would come off. Other than that, I, how can I say Elmer Locke or, or, or you know, Tim Horton? Right. You know, and, then, I, yeah. and then you start you start looking at the um, if you if you look at a player's name, like say if you look at Al, Elmer Locke's name, mm-hmm. and then you went and did a little digging, yep. two minutes of research on it, you'd go, oh man, he was really good. Now we had a lot of this stuff uh, sent to us in a, in, you know, in a like a 300-page PDF format that you just scrolled through, and it, you know, it had all the research done for you, mm-hmm. basically, and then you had to decide off the research um, who you wanted to put on. And uh, like I said, the first 50 are a piece of cake. When you get into the last 20, you're you're. I had a group of about I don't know 35 or 40 guys, mm-hmm. and I was like. Well, how am I going to pick one guy over the other? Yeah, yeah. Like it, it was, right, right. I'll, I'll say it was easy for the first sure. little bit of it, and then you get stuck, and you're like, ah, uh, okay, now I'm stuck. How how long did you t- debate about Wendell? I did, he wasn't even uh, debate. That's, that's no, I wouldn't tell him that because you know he might. It's a scam. Wendell, see, there's the thing. Wendell wouldn't care. No, because no, he he'd be like, eh, whatever. Yeah, you know, like there's the thing. I think those guys on stage the other night, they yeah. were so proud to be included in this, and they should be. Right. Let- but the ones that didn't get included, I'm sure they weren't at home saying this is an outrage. <laughs> exactly. Let me you ask. Know, they went on with their day, and you know. Let me ask you this. I, I just I thought the league did a really good job having. Um, having this um, selection in yep. their 100th anniversary. I, I thought yep. it was a really, really good idea. I would have liked to see them rank as a fan, ranked, you know, but hey, whatever, that's fine. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I'm with you. I would I would have liked to have seen a ranking. The the other thing that <laughs> that people don't understand, I'm, I'm learning from some of the people that tweeted at me, mm-hmm. they're like, how could you not have Joe Newendike on this list? I'm like, you don't know who I had on my list. Right. You right, understand yeah. what a cumulative <laughs> vote is. It wasn't Ray Ferraro's top 100. Yeah, I, I wasn't the only guy that did this. And I'm like, what a blockhead. Oh, these people. You, you, yeah. you engage. I love it. But you engage these people a little, a little much sometimes. Well, I do it uh, oftentimes when I'm really bored. Right, right. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, hey, we're going to have uh, your, uh, your broadcast partner, Gord Miller, uh, on the uh, He's on the probably going to charge us. <laughs> um, it's funny because two guys you probably Chris Cuthbert and Gord Miller. I mean, you'd probably travel with both of them equally, right? I don't. Know, is there one guy that you do more games? Oh with? no, Gord for sure. Oh Gord, okay. because we're we're in Europe for three weeks. Oh yeah, uh, for true. World Championships sure. and and World Juniors. I, they're very different now. Gord yep. is extremely organized. Mm-hmm. Chris, not so much. Right. Um, so when we get to a city, when I'm with Chris, it's a crapshoot whether we're getting to the hotel in the rink. 
<laughs> always seems to work. Yeah, but yeah. that is a crapshoot. Which is amazing because he's been doing it for so long, and you're, you always wonder, like, how do how do you survive in doing this job for so long? If you're we're not sure. Um, it's funny, you know. You and I have met a few times now, uh, different locations, Vegas and Vancouver and and Anaheim, and uh, you know, I I travel thirty weekends a year in the U.S. and then I go another three four weeks in Europe, three or four times in Europe in the off season, and you of course you've never stopped traveling your whole life, really. And we get together, and a lot of our conversations are about traveling. I don't know how it works. Like, you know, I, I want to, you know, talk about hockey, and maybe you want to talk about what I do. And we end up talking about traveling because it's such um, a frustrating experience each and every week, and we do it so much. And there's things that, that stick in our, you know, craws. And, and yeah. It's, yeah. And you're, you know, there's, but there's so many layers to it. It's like yeah. the conversation never gets. Old. No, no, no. From the security to the boarding to the what? What do you have? Uh, Nexus? Do you have this? Yeah, uh, oh yeah. You know all that kind of stuff. It's just we end up just talking about that. It's pretty funny. Um, uh, it was funny the last time we talked about it, and and you and Gord, uh, we'll talk a little bit about traveling with Gord too, uh, on his bit. But when we, you and I talked about it. I was telling you about how I can my biggest pet peeve. I'm a wind. I sit by the window, and I go to get up. And people who rush to the front and don't let the rows file out of the plane. You know, I'm always yeah. near the front because of my status. I'm either in first or thir- three, four rows back every time. And people who rush to the front when the bell goes, I'm just like, oh, it drives me nuts. There's, it seems pretty obvious. And there, somebody told me that you know. There's, uh, for common sense, there's not much of that in a lot of, in a lot of things. I'm like, if you're in row 15, row 14 gets out first. That's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. It's not right. a science project, yeah. just the way it is. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, it's, uh, it's so frustrating. And then also, too, when you, uh, uh, when you travel and you go through the, if you check a bag, which I don't normally do, but sometimes I do, and everyone just crowds the front of the, of the luggage. Uh, oh, yeah, get to within a foot of it just yeah. in case. Hey, buddy, your bag's coming back around. It's okay. <laughs> It's it's not you don't get one chance at it you know oh man I just it just drives me nuts um, all right let's uh, let's bring Gord Miller in here uh, your your broadcast partner for uh, uh, Ottawa games for Toronto games and the World Juniors World Championships everything else all right let's bring uh, Gord Miller from TSN in Paul Pocky podcast with Ray Ferraro we are going to bring in one of Ray's uh, co-workers a man who has called games alongside him for a long time as well as many other games for TSN. It's Gord Miller. Gord, welcome to the show, and thanks for doing this. My pleasure. I had no choice. <laughs> you were basically just commandeered to do it. I was voluntold. Right, right, exactly. Well, thanks I, for... I'm what, you, I, I'm what you would call a reluctant witness. Well, what else are you going to do on an off day but talk to Ray once again? Exactly. <laughs> hey, Gordo, when you started um, and you got into, you know, first doing NHL games to where we are now... Is there anything in the presentation that you do as a play-by-play guy that I wouldn't have recognized from when you started? Well, I think the biggest thing is now that every game is on TV. So when I started, you know, most teams' games, you know, I started in Edmonton in 1983. I would say two-thirds of the Oilers' home games and half their road games were on TV. So, and then the highlights would often run the next day. So now every game's on TV. The highlights are available instantaneously. And there's all kinds of game stories that are up instantaneously. So you're dealing with a core audience that is much more sophisticated and informed. So, for example, if you're doing a Leafs game against St. Louis that we will do on Thursday, chances are a good portion of your audience has seen most of the Leafs games this year. So you have to recognize that. I don't think we should lose track of the fact, though, that there are still a lot of casual fans out there. And to assume that that they watch everything or know everything would be a mistake. So one of the things that's changed, and you get a giggle out of the way I run my Twitter account and the way you do yours, <laughs> is you, you have a totally different view of social media or a totally different way of conducting it than I do. Yeah. What, what do you find, like, what's the best thing you find of your social media account? Is it that you can deliver information or you can receive it? Well, first of all, I think it's the, one of the greatest news-gathering tools um, around as long as you understand 
which sources you're getting it from. So, mm-hmm. for example, following Bob McKenzie, Darren Drager, I get instantaneous NHL news. As things happen, I'm getting a, a, a real-time accounting of what's going on. Um, I don't view it uh, as much for opinion. And, and what Ray's referring to is, um, on my Twitter feed, for example, my mentions are restricted to people that I follow. Oh. So the only, the only mentions that I see back are from people that I follow, and I only follow 29 people. So if I put something on Twitter and someone out there you know, likes it or doesn't like it and tweets back at me, I don't see it. I, I prefer it that way. <laughs> um, there are lots of people, there are lots of ways to get in touch with me. If, if, you, know, if you can email TSN's Audience Relations, or there's all kinds of ways to get in touch with me, but I just prefer it that way. And um, I think a lot of the discourse on social media is counterproductive and negative, and so I just choose not to be part of it. So- and, and I think that that's sort of kept my head clear. And my advice to young players, by the way, is, is to do that. And I think, Ray, you and I would agree that we have seen young players really affected by what gets said on social media. It's really surprising, isn't it? Like when we run into a guy and, they're, and they'll say, oh, man, I've, I'm just getting ripped today on Twitter. Or, and you're yeah. like, well, why would you even read? So, so a, a kid me. said to us, I'm getting crushed on Twitter. I said, you're only getting crushed if you let yourself. Yeah, yeah. Now let me right, ask. So, let me ask you this: Have you guys, either one of you? This is more for Ray. Have you been blocked by by players? Uh, I've never, I've never noticed. I okay. As, as much as as much as I respond and engage, I really don't have much. Uh, my give a damn meter on that is pretty low. Like if somebody right. wants to block me, they they really yeah. could. Well, I've been blocked by some of the professional. Uh, Riders that I cover, and I, it makes me—it's just great fodder for more of my podcasts and shows where, I, where these <laughs> yeah. guys have blocked me. But uh, Gord, I'm guessing then, judging on your policy of Twitter, and I like it by the way, it's a nice one. When you see Ray on Twitter, this makes you this make, gives you a great source of amusement. I, it does, and, and you know what? And there's no and, and there's no right or wrong to it. Like it's not like I'm right, Ray's wrong, or Ray's right and I'm wrong. It, it's just everyone has a different approach, right. and and so I, I do get a, a chuckle out of. Ray, you know, in a in a beef with angry Ernie from Thunder Bay, <laughs> right. you, you know, who's now now the one thing that angry Ernie should figure out is if you're going to if you're going to get into a Twitter beef with Ray, mm-hmm. don't don't have your Twitter picture as like you stuffing hot dogs in your mouth <laughs> right. or wearing a silly hat or ugly clothes or you're you are just. You were yeah. just setting yourself up for abuse. The guy uh, so, last week that Ray said, uh, maybe go take a walk and cool off. It'll help you in both ways. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I'm just trying to him. help him, though. <laughs> and and that's, that's, that really is the essence of Ray Ferraro. He's just one man trying to help as many people as possible <laughs> throughout, throughout the day. Right. So, so my advice to be would, would be to do that. But, but honestly, I, I think that you know, there, there's, a, there's a, a serious side to this. And, and, and social media can be very dangerous. And, you know, Ray and I are both parents, and, and I've got a daughter. And, and, and I think that, you know, you have to teach your kids that, that there are a lot of things about social media that are unpleasant and also a lot of things that are untrue. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to be very wary of that. My approach is just to stick with reputable sources and, and save that interaction uh, for them. Uh, others prefer to make it more wide open. But I think that if you do that, you would get the impression that everyone hates everything. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Everyone's, everyone's angry. Yeah. Hey, so now, you've been doing games since 83, international games since when? Uh, 92. Okay, do you have, it's impossible to pick one, I'm sure, but do you have an event that stands out as the best you've done? Oh, and, and maybe a Stanley Cup final? that you've been around or a playoff series that you've been around. I mean, you, you traveled around Europe with Bob McKenzie and McGuire and Pierre McGuire for how many days? Uh, well, just Pierre for uh, 50 days. Yeah. Like how, how <laughs> there's, there's just unintended comedy in that. By if, if, if a judge, if a judge sentenced you to do that, you would have grounds for appeal. <laughs> <laughs> so like what, um, what is, what's a favorite event you've had? 
Well, I mean, obviously the World Junior is, is an event that I love doing. And I, and I think, you know, I, not to speak for you, Ray, but, I, you know, obviously now that you're, you know, up to your eyeballs, it, it, it's an extraordinary event. To see those kids at that age, to see the passion, the energy is, is really something else. Um, is there one that the stand out to you, though? Well, it's so hard to narrow down to one, to be honest. Um, I think I think three that really stand out are, are Red Deer in 1995. It was the straight round robin format during a lockout. Uh, it was incredible, the, the talent that was there. Um, I think um, another lockout year, the 05 tournament in Grand Forks, North Dakota, when Canada had Crosby, Bergeron, Perry, Getzlaff. 14 of those guys played in the NHL the next year, and six of them played in the Olympics for Canada uh, five years later. Yeah. Um, which is extraordinary. And I think the Ottawa tournament in 2009, uh, the New Year's Eve game between Canada and the United States was the best World Junior game I'd ever seen until the one four days later, the <laughs> right. Everly goal right. and, 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 the, and the shootout against the Russians. I mean, it, the New Year's Eve game was stunning. Uh, you know, 3 nothing U.S. in the first 14 minutes of the first period. Canada comes back, back and forth they go, and, and John Tavares just takes over the game. It, 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 I think that I get asked that all the time, and, and I guess my answer is uh, there's so many of them that it's hard to pick, and that's what makes it special. I, I think that uh, every game you do is unknown. You know, people say to us all the time, who do you think is going to win? I don't know. That's why I'm going. <laughs> if I knew Especially going for on, the kids, a, too. Like, yeah. it's so wild and unpredictable. Yeah, and, and those kids are so emotional. Um, I've really enjoyed the Olympics I've been to. Um, I think, you know, the, um, the Stanley Cup final that stands out for me was the Edmonton-Philadelphia series in, uh, in 1987. Uh, I was mm. 21 years old covering that series. And I don't know if you remember, Ron Hextall, Chopped down uh, Kent Nielsen. Oh, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> and two handed Kent Nielsen. So we all go into the dressing room afterwards. And I'm 21. And, and, and someone asked, you know, Hextall a question. And, and no one's going to ask him. I said, I said what happened with, with the, the slash on Kent Nielsen? He goes, Well, I, we can't have people bumping me in the crease. I can't have people banging into me in the crease. I got to protect myself. I, I said, Kent Nielsen was 15 feet away from your crease. It wasn't even him. It was Glenn Anderson. He goes, were you out there? I didn't see you out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kent Nielsen was known to just crash crash the uh, yeah, crease. That was Kent Nielsen. He was a, yeah. Yeah, he, he was, yeah, he was a hard guy for sure. Yeah. Hey, yeah, so, Gordo, i got to get you to tell one story, though, okay. because it's around that era when you were in your early 20s. So everybody sees now you're, you know, you're polished and you're, you know, you've done this for a long, long time and, you know, when you hit a bump in the road, it's not a big trouble or a big problem. You just fix it. Tell them your story about interviewing Gretzky. Oh, God. <laughs> so this is honestly, I've just started. So this is, okay. this is April of 1983, towards the end of the regular season. And I'm working for CBC Television on weekends. But the, the radio guy is sick. He's in the hospital. And they don't have anyone else that can go to the Oilers game on Sunday night. So they send me to the game with my little tape recorder <laughs> to, to, to get post-game comments. Mm-hmm. So Gretzky has five points in the game. I stick my microphone in, go to the dressing room, stick my microphone in, come out. Fantastic. I didn't take the pause button off. No. <laughs> so I've got nothing. So going back with nothing is not an alternative. So I go back in the dressing room, and there's Wayne by himself by now. Oh, this is this is good. This is ballsy, Gord. <laughs> this has all been wrapped. So, I, so right. he's done his interviews. I'm like, Wayne, sorry, I'm with CBC. You wouldn't know me, but he says, if you got an interview, if you got a question, just ask him. So I, I very carefully make sure the pause button is off and I'm recording. And now I look up and I realize that I'm 17 years old, and I'm interviewing Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> so with all the journalistic conviction I could muster, I asked him the very best question I could think of. Good game. <laughs> and and the, worst, the worst thing about Wayne Gretzky is that he never freaking forgets anything. Oh, so this is good. <laughs> to this day, he'll walk by me and go, good game. <laughs> That's epic. That's great. Yeah, oh, good just, game. It, it, yeah. yeah, honestly, like, just, oh. Right. Mortified. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's hard to believe that 
that there is, like at that moment when you walk out of there, it's hard to believe there is another day. Like you, you've just thought, oh. I'm sure, like, okay, honestly, that's it, I'm, I'm done. Honestly, when I walked out and realized I had nothing, I almost puked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I was like, oh my god, um, and it, it was so yeah, it was just, and it was very different back then, you know. Like I, I remember, um, and, and Ray, you played for Al Arbor and loved him. I uh, at the '83 Stanley Cup Final, so now it's May of '83. So I've, I've been there two months. Um, they sent me to Long Island to help out coverage of the Stanley Cup Final. I was just sticking the microphone in. I wasn't doing anything on camera. So our reporter Peter Watts asked me, to, gave me a list of questions to ask Al Arbor at his uh, at his press conference. One of which was. Are you intimidated by the Oilers' speed and skill? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I dutifully asked Al Arbor, coach of a team about to win its fourth consecutive Stanley Cup, yep. if they were intimidated by the speed and skill of a team they'd beaten like 15 times in a row. <laughs> and he said, I could see how somebody would think that if they're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the best part was I became friends with Al. Uh-huh. mutual friends and, and I had dinner with him in Florida and uh, a bunch of us at the table and his wife Claire was there and and he said uh, Claire see Gord there he asked me the most dumbass question I've ever been asked <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's one thing that if you were on as I've told Gord many times but if you were on the wrong end of Al's voice mm-hmm Somehow it got deeper and kind of rumbled through you. Oh. <laughs> it, it was like, would, he, he would just go, he used to call me the seagull, and he'd go, seagull, come here. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, no. This is, I don't even know, but just the way he said, come here, I'm screwed. And he was the great, he's, Al was the greatest, greatest man to be around. He was awesome. And the nicest, the nicest, funny, I played golf with him a couple of times. Oh, mm-hmm. my God, the, the all-time grinder on the golf course, but terrific. And, but never ask someone else's question. Yeah, that's a good yeah, lesson, that's, eh? that, that's a good point. Yeah. You're, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, but it's just, but yeah, and you're young, and you're just doing what you're told, and oh my god, it's just like. Before we, I, I remember, uh, I, remember go I remember when I started out, I, 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 Canada Day, 1985. Uh, our our guy, one of the guys I worked with, was Matt. He had to work Canada Day, so he left a pre-taped sportscast and went and played golf. And they suspended him. They called me in to do the sportscast. And it was during Wimbledon. Slobodan Zivajinovic scored <laughs> a massive upset in Wimbledon. And I was voicing over the highlights live, and I hit this name, and I just stopped. <laughs> now, now, Ray will tell you, Ray will tell you, I'm a stubborn man. And yes. I kept trying this name. I kept trying to drive this nail until Slobodan Slobodan. I, I just kept going and finding that the highlight ran out, and they came back to me on camera. <laughs> he never did get for it a, out. <laughs> for years afterwards, people in Edmonton would come up to me, what was the name of that tennis player? <laughs> Not a lot of those in Edmonton growing up. Not a lot of them. And, uh... and, and now it just rolls off the tongue. Right. Slobodan Zivinovich. Well, and, and we all have one. As uh, We were at a World Junior Tournament, and the Oilers have this guy now, Anton Slepyshev. Not a big deal. Easy name. It yep. was the pothole of all potholes for me. <laughs> and this bloody guy kept getting the puck, oh, and yeah, I'd the have puck, to do a highlight puck, with him in it. Game. <laughs> it. I was like, every time the puck came to him, I'd be like, God, just miss it so I don't have to say anything. <laughs> oh, no, there's another shot for no. Slapashev, or however I would say it. <laughs> you got to be stubborn. You got to grind it out, eh? You, you just got to you just gotta spit it out. And it, it, you know what's I mean. There's, I mean, the World Junior, people always say to me, how do you get all those names right at the World Junior? I always say, well, you don't know those players. How do you know I'm right? <laughs> yeah, good point. Right? Exactly. Oh, so by the way, I got to say, there is nothing that is quite as entertaining for me, because Gord is a stickler for pronunciations and to get it right. Okay. And so we'll go down to the Slovak locker room, or this year it was Latvia. Uh, that had the the biggest minefields in it, and we go. We Gord gets the pronunciations from their manager, who speaks some combination like, of English and something else. <laughs> right. And to watch him try to get the names from these guys. So now he just takes his roster, points at the number, and they say it. Except they say it in their language. We can't replicate that. And so Latvia this year. This is for you, Gord. 
our three favorite players. Oh, uh, uh, Zile, 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 and Zile, Zile, and Zile. <laughs> but they're not spelt anything like that. No. And he's got to get me to say them the way he's going to, which is not that easy. Um, and then I was, think that's uh, your greatest was, accomplishment, really. Yeah, yeah. Can, there was, but is. there was also stiff ships last year for uh, for Hungary <laughs> at the World Championship. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's not pronounced like that. Yes, it's stiff ships. <laughs> now, okay, so that my two favorite things, Gord, I will say before I ask you a quiz that I have diligently prepared for you. So last year, Hungary has Kristap Stipschitz. Yes. Every time he says, says it, I start to giggle. I mean, it's like I'm <laughs> it was 12. Ridiculous. And, and so it, it, I couldn't even get through the broadcast. But the year before at the World Junior, Sebastian Aho played for Sweden, yes. a defenseman. And Sebastian Aho played for Finland as a forward. Yes. Two guys, same name, different country. <laughs> yeah. And I could not get Gord. I tried and tried and tried. When they were battling for the puck in the corner, I wanted to say there's a couple of Ajos in the corner. <laughs> and he just would not, his professionalism would not. He, he would not go it. down to your level, Ray. He would not no, go I'm down. I'm not in junior high school anymore. <laughs> <laughs> there is some professionalism from our, our broadcast duo, and it's not at the color guy, I think. Uh, before we wrap this up, uh, Gord Miller from TSN on the uh, Paul Pocky podcast with Ray Ferraro. Gord, I'm curious, last question for me. Do you you've had a ton of color guys over the years, and I, you know, heaven knows who all those guys are, including Ray. But do you do you adjust your style, your questions, things that you throw to the color guys on who they are, or does it is it plug and play, and you could put anybody down there? Well, no, no, obviously, I mean, um, I think you have to, you know, if you're dealing with someone who's just starting out, mm-hmm. it's very different than dealing with someone who's done it a long time. I, I really enjoyed. Uh, you know, I was Glenn Suter's first partner on football, and I was Pierre Maguire's first partner in hockey, and one of Jamie McLennan's first partners, and Mike Johnson, and and seeing how they they grow as broadcasters, and 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 I think that you know the one up one down format is interesting because you don't have that ability to look at someone and say, sure. okay, I'm going to talk now, you talk now, and it's much more free form, and it's also for them very busy down there. Um, I've been very lucky to work with really good analysts who are all very different, and I think my job is to try to bring out the best in them. And in a lot of cases, that's just laying out and let them do their thing. So I'm, I always joke that, you know, I'm Steve Williams. I just hand you the seven iron and you hit it. You know, <laughs> right. So that's, that, that, that's my job. And, uh, I, but I've been very fortunate to work with really well and also really well-prepared analysts, you know, who, who show up, do their homework, know what they're talking about, know the game, which is great. And uh, so, no, I think that, um, you know, the interaction, I would say this, the interaction that we have on the air is, is very genuine and natural. It's not pre-planned. We don't say, okay, I'm going to say this, then you say that, then I'll say this. It's it's just, uh, at the World Championship a couple of years ago, I, Ray did three games in one day. And during the third game, I said, congratulations, Ray, you're doing your first ever triple header. And he came back with, and my last. <laughs> and, and, and last year, Jamie McLennan was between the benches in Ottawa, and a puck actually got fired in to his spot and it was rattling around and Jimmy was looking for it. I said, I think it's behind you. And he said, I've heard that before. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. Yeah. Okay. Gordo, before we let you go, here's my quiz. Okay. Four questions. You can't say Four questions. Okay. Okay. Question one. And this is about our partnership here. Who's more frugal, me or you? Well, <sighs> You, because you never bring money. <laughs> like, like, how can, like, like, you don't even get out of the starting blocks. It's, it's like you're not even the race because you don't, you never bring money. So how would I know if you spend it or not if you never have it? Oh, raise one of those guys. Wow. Oh, I had, I, I had to point out. I, I finally walked out of the Ottawa Weston and angrily pointed down the street and said, "See that? That's the Canadian Mint. That's where they make money. Go get some." <laughs> I do have, I rarely carry cash, and we need cash to pay for, like, our press meals and things. So yeah. generally what happens is they kind of pile up, and then I even it out later on. So, so I, I would say this, I'm more frugal, you're more inept. 
Ah, I, I, I can buy that. Okay. okay. <laughs> Ineptness is, is really going to be a theme of this. I, <laughs> okay. I'm, a, I'm a little concerned about actually. Uh, two, this is a freebie for us, but nobody would know this. We get to a city. We got to get from the airport to somewhere. Who's better directionally? Oh, my God. Anyone but you. <laughs> well, no, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say it. Oh, James you Duffy. take that back. You know who's worse. James Duffy. Yeah. James Duffy. Just... James Duffy. We believe James Duffy has actually gotten lost in his own home. <laughs> uh, we know he's got lost at work. Uh, but, but Ray, yeah, no, Ray has, a, um, Ray has a lot in his mind. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You have a lot in your mind. But, yeah, you, you, you directionally are not. But, you know, we all have our strengths. I did well, tell I, Gord I, I, a great I, I, moment, though, Gord, when I made it from the hotel at Times Square to Madison Square Garden on the subway for the first time this past year. That's all like, by myself. That's like three stops. Stop it. It was a, it was a great moment. <laughs> don't, don't, don't rain on his moment. Oh, okay. Sorry. I apologize. It's, yeah. Did you get there nice and early? Oh, I was there plenty early because I was scared I was going to go the wrong way. <laughs> Uh, number three, oh, I get it. I like to get there early. Gord also is fine getting to the airport with just enough time to get through security to get to the gate to get on the plane. I, I can't do that. We spend a lot of time. Just debating on leaving and the whole time you're leaving the, the lobby. Yeah. What time yeah, to he, So, so we, we, went, we went to take the train one day. Ray had never taken the train out from New York to Washington. So mm-hmm. the train's leaving at nine. I said, "Okay, let's leave the hotel at you know eight fifteen, eight thirty. Oh no, no, we gotta get there earlier than that. Why? It's nothing to do. No, I, I don't want to get there that late. Let's go early. What time we leave? Seven forty-five. Okay, so we walk down at seven forty-five. We get there at eight. We have our tickets at eight oh one. Now what do you want to do? <laughs> now what? Let, let's, let's have breakfast. Eight ten. Now what do you want to do? Let's go on the train. We can't board till five to nine. Right. Oh. <laughs> He let me walk out on the on the branch yeah. by myself till it broke. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm with you, Gord. I'm a guy. I fly all the time, also for my job. And I am my if I would be I would die happy tomorrow if I hit the airport and the uh, and the security and the tram to the gates and walk up as they're boarding my group. That would be my ultimate goal in life. Just never continue, never stop walking. And as they call my as they call my group, I walk onto the plane. Oh, I can't that. That, that, that'd be perfect. Uh, three, who is more likely to eat a cookie while they're waiting in line to eat dinner? Oh. <laughs> that is, you know what? Seriously. <laughs> oatmeal, raisin, oatmeal raisin cookies are, are, they have oatmeal and raisins in them. Ergo and ipso facto, they are good for you. Yeah. yeah it's all a I point. Was waiting for the, I was waiting for the food to come up. And by the way, what? What does it matter what order you eat your food in? It all winds up in the same place anyway. <laughs> I never really Life thought of un- that. <laughs> Life is uncertain. I say eat dessert first. <laughs> in case you get hit with a lightning bolt exactly. between courses. I don't know what could happen. <laughs> oh, okay. So the answer is Gord. And here's the fourth one. Tell everyone how exciting it is to listen to half of a radio interview. Oh, my God. Hey, <laughs> My, my favorite is when he says, that's a good question. And I want to pipe in, yeah, you told him to ask it. <laughs> so I, I, quite often I drive, and so quite often yep. Ray has radio shows, and I'll, right. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to half of it. And, and I, oh, the game I play with myself is, what in God's name was the question? Well, like I, I, always try to, I try to guess what the question was. And I, only about half the time could I figure it out. Well, some of those overdrive interviews he does that i listen to i mean god knows what they could be talking about on the other end yeah all of a sudden yeah you know i think pineapple is probably the best kind of fruit (laughs) how did did that come oh we're never sure how it comes up yeah you know what it is never raymond i will say this it is never dull with you i wish it was duller sometimes but it never is So the two places you've said, you've told me that you've spent more of your life that you wish you hadn't were listening to a half of a radio show yeah. and uh, in Starbucks. Show. Yeah, so I don't drink coffee. You don't drink coffee? I've, what? I've never had a cup of coffee. Ever. Holy smokes. Never. I've spent literally <laughs> years in coffee shops. 
I know where there's a Starbucks in every NHL city, and I don't drink coffee. Oh man, you don't drink coffee. I'm, 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 I'm just amazed at that. Anybody, and, and I, and, I th- and I'll say to Ray because Ray can be a bit uh, impatient. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yes. I said to him, uh, you know, Ray, they tried to get MBAs to work behind the counter at Starbucks, but it just they just couldn't get it done. So you're gonna have to accept <laughs> right. the fact that maybe the person making your coffee might not be yeah. as um, as efficient as you'd like. It may be an entry-level job. May or may not be an entry-level job. Yeah, and they're working hard, but they're just probably not working as fast as you'd like them to. If you'd like to go behind the counter and make the coffees, I'm sure your first couple of weeks would not go smoothly either. By the way, Ray... Igor Larionov once told me there's a Russian saying uh, about somebody starting something new, and it's the first pancake is often lumpy. Yeah. I should remember that more often. <laughs> Russians have the best proverbs. The uh, the bread of the poor always lands with the buttered side down. <laughs> that's, that's, pretty, that's one of my favorites. I like it too. Well, uh, Gord, thanks for your time on uh, on Ray's new podcast. I'm yeah, sure we got to let is, you get out of here, Gordon. Yeah, I'm sure this is uh, and not a mo- and not a moment too soon. <laughs> a career. Make sure you put this on your resume that you did Ray's podcast. I will. Take care, guys. All right. Thanks, Gord. Later, Gordo. All right, thanks to Gore for that, Ray. He uh, he wasn't going down the frugal road too much. He wasn't really because he knows. <laughs> he knows. He, he you got to pry that thing open from him once in a while. <laughs> he kind of deflected it to say you don't have cash on you, but uh, uh, yes, yeah, he was not 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 going to have that. Um, all right, hey, it's Paul Pocky podcast uh, with Ray Ferraro. Get it on Stitcher. Get it on iTunes. PaulPocky.com. Subscribe. Leave a comment. Tweet us if you want at Paul Pocky uh, or at Ray Ray. Uh, actually, I forgot your Twitter name. Ray Ray, uh, Ray Ferraro TSN. Ray Ferraro TSN. Uh, yeah. That as well. A couple things to wrap up, and then we'll do the random NHLer as well. Um, and, and one email, Ray, uh, and I to- I told you this um, uh, via text. People want you to solve the Vancouver Canucks' problem. They really do. I get a ton of tweets and emails about the Vancouver Canucks. You, of course, you live in Vancouver. You do the TSN radio out there. I don't know what it is, but a lot of Canuck fans like you, and they really want you to fix the Canucks. Well, I'm appreciative of that, and I'm, I think I, I mean, it's easy to have an unbiased opinion when you have no connection to the team. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I just, I've, I like a lot not a well, yeah, I like a lot of what they've tried to do. I just wish two years ago, and I said this when they started down this road when they signed Radam Verbata and Ryan Miller, that I thought they should have moved into a full rebuild at that time. Right. And I know they had the Sedines, but the Sedines are the least of your problems. Those guys are professional. Mm-hmm. I, I know them. They are. They would never cause a problem. And if you told them, look, for the next two years, we're going to surround you with young players, and by year three, we're going to be better and growing, they would be into it. They would have been into it. But now you have a team that they're kind of stuck in the middle. And the middle's the worst place to be. Either be near the top or be near the bottom where you can get better. In the middle, you're going to have trouble. And that's, that's kind of the genesis of my idea of how, to, how I would have rebuilt the Canucks and retooled the Canucks three years ago, but mm-hmm. they went down a different path. And in my opinion, they're they're kind of stuck with some contracts that are not going to be very palatable soon. Well, now I hear that uh, Ryan Miller may come back. They're, you know, they're, yes, they're, that, that is that's true as well. I mean, they have a highly thought of goaltending prospect in Thatcher Demko, but mm-hmm. he's playing in the American League, and J- Jakob Markstrom is here and has played well, but he's had some tough stretches too, mm-hmm. and. So maybe they think they need Miller for another two years. I, he's had an amazing year, been terrific. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just think it's the wrong path to be on. I, you know, if I were a contending team, I'd be more interested than, than a rebuilding team in Ryan Miller. A contending team, like if Dallas yeah. had Ryan Miller this year, yep. they wouldn't be in the soup that they're in right now. True. Uh, question from Trevor. If the Winnipeg Jets don't end up being a playoff team, and it's not looking that way, do you think they abandon their kids in net and go for a starting goalie like Flurry or Bishop, a couple goalies that we think are going to be on the market? Are they stuck? Are uh, they riding this thing out with, with their guys? I don't think they would abandon it. I think what they might do is is get a, get a veteran to push Hellebuck, mm-hmm. um, a veteran to, to play – more frequently mm-hmm. than they can play Michael Hutchison or feel they can play Hutchison. Uh, I think that's the direction they would take. I don't think 
they would just say, okay, that's it. We don't think Hellebuck's a goaltender in the NHL or can't be a starter. I think they, they really like him a lot. I thought they gave him too much to chew on this year. And right. Maybe a little bit of predictable results. But a guy like Fleury, no. A guy like Bishop, no. Somebody um, to split starts, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, Calgary is a different story. Yeah, what are they They had the worst goaltending in the league last year. They didn't bring any of their three goalies back. Mm-hmm. And now it's a mess with Brian Elliott and Chad Johnson. And even though Johnson started well, he's come back yep. to the pack a little bit. And so they have two goalies that are on expiring contracts. So, you know, it seems like change is right there, too. And Brian Elliott, of course, big UFA year for him, you know, hoping to cash in. Great stats, you know, great, great play for the most part in St. Louis over the years. God, yeah. if you're him or his agent, you're just going, oh, what are we doing? This is terrible. <laughs> well, I mean, for Elliott, the only thing that can happen is, you know, that he he continues to try and rein in the bad goals that he's given up mm-hmm. and play to the level that he has played in the past. And there's no question, though, he's, you know, he's hurt his long-term, you know, contract status or contract potential by the first 40 games that they've had or 50 games they've had in Calgary. Uh, We touched on this uh, a little bit here and there, but the Olympics, uh, still no resolution. The Board of Governors met, and apparently that wasn't even on the uh, agenda at all, the Olympics. What and, you know, of course, um, uh, I think Jonathan Tay said the Olympics, the players got to go. You know, it's got to be the best. And so did Connor McDavid. Oh, Connor McDavid did too. I missed that. Um, and Ovechkin says he's going yeah, he one way or the going. other. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's going to happen in your eyes? What do you think? Is, is this just all posturing and the IOC and, and the NHL will get together on everything? The IOC is claiming, hey, man, we'll do the same deal, insurance and everything else. And I think the NHL Well, I, I thought so before. I'm, yeah. I'm now leaning more to – the owners just don't have the appetite to shut down the season for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Now, the season, that's almost a misnomer because they don't shut it down. They, they stop playing. It's yeah. not like they take games away. They no. lose revenue. They just stop for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they feel that they lose total momentum and don't get enough payback from the Olympics uh, by going, especially in a time zone when the games are going to be mm-hmm. turned upside down time-wise for startings. So you're thinking you're leaning more towards it. It ain't going to happen. Uh, more than I've ever thought that. Yep, yeah. Yep. That should be interesting. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's wrap this up with a random NHL. We do this all the time uh, where we started doing it. And uh, just I'm going to give you a random NHL. You tell me your experience. This is a guy you know well, played with, uh, and also, too, he was very good in the uh, NHL games, video games uh, back oh. in the day. So um, I, he has a special place in my heart when he played for the Leafs in those video games. Uh, Benoit Hogue. Uh, New York Islander, Maple Leaf, Dallas Star, Buffalo Saber, Benoit. Oh, uh, Hoagie was uh, part of our '93 team in uh, in New York and played on. Uh, we had a fabulous line. Uh, we were our second line, myself uh, between Benny and uh, Patrick Flatley. Uh, our top line was Derek King, Pierre Turgeon, who had 120 points, and Steve Thomas. And uh, um, man, I love playing with those guys. That was. To me, that was the perfect line. I had a, a grinder, a real strong corner man, one of the best corner men in Patrick Flatley. And then Hoagie on the other side, he could fly, he could yeah. really shoot the puck. Um, we would end up um, arguing on the bench and then, you know, about something and then going on the ice and it would just fit. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's, a, <laughs> he's an emotional guy. He's a, a really competed uh, hard for us. I, I just I loved having him on my wing. Hoagie was uh, small guy. He was also small one of the guy. best yeah. practical jokers. Oh, he was okay. <laughs> um, so we were fiddling around with each other's gear and clothes for two weeks. You know, kind of <laughs> right. one guy would get the other guy, and then one day we come back after a road game. It's raining. I get in my car. I turn on the defrost and turn on the wipers, and like it's not working. The defrost isn't working. I'm driving, so pretty soon. I get to the point where, like, I'm literally looking out the side window because I can't see. Uh And I get out of my car at home, you know, I'm stubborn and make it all the way. I get out and I smell like Vicks vapor rub. Okay. And I'm like, what is that? Yeah. And so then I realized Hoagie had covered my entire windshield. Oh, in vapor rub. So when I turned the wipers on, it just smeared it around the window. Oh, jeez. 
And so he won. That, yeah. was, that was very good work by Hoagie. I've gotten the grease on the wipers before, and I'm like, oh, it's, you can't get it off either. Well, once you turn the wipers on, you're, you're finished. Yeah, you're just done. Yeah, um, yeah. It, was, it was solid work by him. He was fast, right? He was very fast. Skater. Very fast. Yeah. Very fast. So really shoot the puck. Uh, I didn't know much about him when we got him in a trade from Buffalo, mm-hmm. uh, the one that set LaFontaine there. Uh, but... Man, he was uh, he was a really really good player. A French Canadian guy, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You so, betcha. So that's why he's emotional. He's all French Canadian yelling and screaming. Well, I don't know. There was, he was arguing with an Italian, so there was, <laughs> there was lots of that. And then Flatley was just a he was a you know the three of us would just be barking at each other on the bench, and then <laughs> oh our shift. Oh we go. Oh here we, we go. Start again. Let's go do yeah. something. All right, uh, great. Uh, thanks to Gordon Miller uh, and for coming on. Uh, seems like a funny guy. And uh, and thanks to you, Ray. PaulPocky.com. Um, thanks, everybody. Review it. Leave us a note. Tweet Ray. Tweet uh, at Paul Pocky. Uh, thanks again. Appreciate uh, the rankings on iTunes and everything else. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks, uh, thanks, Ray. You betcha, Steve. Thank you. Talk right. to you then. Thanks for listening, everybody.